primarily in verses 6 through 10. And I know we read the good portion of the chapter, but I, I want to say this, that this, we're only looking at a portion of, of Christ's prayer here. Um, we, last week, last Sunday morning, we looked at the first five, the first five verses, and Jesus was beginning to pray. We talked about this. Jesus prayed a lot. This isn't the only time Jesus prayed. Uh, Jesus prayed while he was uh, spent 40 days and, and nights. He fasted and prayed in the wilderness before the beginning of his ministry. Before he chose his disciples, he went out and spent the night praying and, and asking the wisdom of the Father and uh, as to whom he should choose. And the next day he went and chose his disciples. Uh, I believe he spent, he was spent time praying for those disciples on that night and, and for who they were. And uh, He spent time praying for them as they were, uh, they were out on the, he sent them out on the sea and uh, he went up on the mountain to pray. I believe he was praying for his disciples then. And uh, there were, there, the truth is that uh, he prayed for them all the time and, and he, he had an, an intimate relation with the Father. He, and sometimes the disciples heard them and the, one of the times the disciples heard him pray, they said, teach us to pray. Now we call that the Lord's Prayer. Uh, if that's found in, it's found in, uh, uh, in chapter 11. Where he he gives them the uh, the Lord's prayer, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. But that wasn't something he prayed. That was a model prayer, a way that we could learn how to pray, uh, an outline, you might say. Uh, and I know that he didn't pray this because in that prayer he asked for forgiveness. And well, Jesus didn't need to ask for forgiveness. He was sinless. Uh, he didn't. There were no trespasses against anybody, let alone God, uh, that he needed to ask forgiveness for. So, so uh, we know that that was a model prayer. Uh, there are snippets that we hear throughout Scripture. Uh, uh, on the cross, he prayed. Uh, uh, he, he prayed and. Uh, he asked that the, the God would not hold the, this sin against the charge of those who were crucifying him. Uh, uh, he, uh, he prayed at other times to the Father. But here, this is, like the, this is the longest prayer that we hear. And, and in this prayer, we, 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 see the, we saw last week in the first five verses uh, uh, a relationship between the Father and the Son, uh, how, an intimate relationship between the Father and the Son. And, and in that prayer, he asked that God the Father would glorify him. He says that the hour has come. And the hour that was to come was talking about the, the hour of his crucifixion. Uh, uh, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to die on this earth. Uh, his work, th that was the finish of his work here on this earth. But can I, but can I say this? And I, I praise God for this. It was not the finish of his work. When Jesus died on the cross and rose again and went up to heaven, he's not sitting up there partying. He's not sitting up there waiting for us, twiddling his thumbs, trying to figure out what's going to happen. Uh, he has a job to do. The Bible tells us that, that his job uh, right now is to, to ever make intercession for us. In fact, uh, Hebrews 7, 12, 25 says, He ever liveth to make intercession for us. He's, and what is that? He's praying for us right now. And so what we see here in, in, in this prayer is, is him interceding for the people of God. We see him interceding for, 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 for the disciples here in verses 6 through, six through 12, I believe 19. And then, and then he intercedes for us, for those who would believe. And the truth is, I believe he, as we're going to see here probably this afternoon, we're not going to get to it this morning, but we'll see what it actually he is praying for. This morning we're going to look at who he's praying for.
In the first five verses, he prayed for himself. He prayed that the the Father would glorify him uh, so that he could then glorify the Father. And it was a glory that was deserved. It was a glory that was already his own. It was a glory that he had laid aside when he came to this earth so that he could could, uh, humble himself uh, to the death of the cross. Uh, It was something that he didn't do because he had to. It was something he did because he wanted to. The Bible says he laid down his life. He wasn't forced to do it. He did it, according to Hebrews chapter 12, for the joy that was set before him. He did it because he loved us. He did it because he wanted, he wanted to have, a, the, the, he and the Father and the Holy Spirit wanted to have a relationship with us. And in fact, that's what we see that he came for. And there in verse 3, it says, eternal life. We talk about John 3.16 and having eternal life. And I'm going to get to live forever, immortality. That is, that is the goal of all men. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in this body forever. This body is ugly, and after I saw all the comments about what I'm going to look, what people are going to think about me after I lose my hair yesterday, I hope I'm going to, well, I'm just going to invest in a toupee. <laughs> I'm kidding. I, I would I would take the jokes and whatever. I don't care. Uh, but listen, I, I, this this body is is going to is corruptible. This body is going to pass away. But the Bible says that I'll be sown in corruption, but I'll be raised incorruptible. I'm going to have life because of the promise of the life that Jesus Christ had when he rose from the grave. He had power to lay down his life, and the Bible says he had power to pick it up again. Praise God for that. He, he did raise from, from, from the dead. But we see here, that, so this glory that he's praying for is, is that not just for glory for himself, but so that he can then, again, glorify the Father. It's, it's, a, it's a, a mirrored uh, a glory that, that we see. But that he points to there, verse 3, about eternal life. And again, it's not this, this immortality that we t- think that we talk about. It's, it's a relationship, an, an intimate relationship with the Father. It says in this, verse 3, is, that the, is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Eternal life isn't the fact that I get to live on forever and I don't have to worry about death. The truth is, how many of you ever met somebody who's never died? Well, you've not died. Okay, how many of you, look, look around, how many of us are not going to die unless Christ comes back? This body, we're all going to die. At some point, we're, we're, in fact, the Bible says it's a point and a man wants to die. There's going to come a point in each one of our lives, whether it's from COVID-19, whether it's from a car accident, or whether an asteroid falls from the sky and smashes you in the head. It can happen any one of those ways or a million other ways. We're all going to die someday. We know that's going to happen. Eternal life is an immortality in this body. It's an intimate relationship that we might know God. The whole reason Jesus died on the cross is so that we could know him. It isn't so we could march around being Christian, saying that we're Christians. Listen, it was the world that called them Christians. Why? Because they were a reflection of Jesus Christ. It wasn't because they said it. It was because the world saw it. So, so as we see this, it's, it's, it's that knowledge. It's, and the more you, you get around somebody, the more you kind of look like them. Ever seen people that look like their pets? You've all seen it, haven't you? The more we're around Christ, the more we begin to resemble Christ. And I say that the more we're around Christ, he's not here physically, but we have him in the form of his, of his word. And the more we're in the word, and the more the word is in us, the more we begin to resemble Jesus Christ. Verse 4, he said, I have glorified thee on the earth. We'll come, we're going to come back to that here in a few minutes, but as I glorified thee on the earth and, and uh, finished the work and which thou gave me to do, and listen, he, he, he had prepared for three and a half years those men to take his, not to take his place, because he was Jesus, but to build the church. 
uh, to prepare the church uh, for uh, his work was done on this earth. He had glorified the Father because he had been a reflection of the Father. We'll get to that here in a moment. I'm getting ahead of myself. But, but, but uh, he, had done, he had done that work. And verse 5 says, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. And remember who Jesus was. He wasn't just somebody who was born and, and God made into somebody special. He was already was. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in John chapter 1, verse 14, a few verses later, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among men. Jesus Christ is the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Bible tells us that not anything that was made would have been made without Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.16 says that it was made for him, and it was made by him, and it consists because of him. So, so the glory that he was asking for wasn't something special. It wasn't something that he didn't deserve. It was something that he had already had that he had laid aside so that he could die on the cross for you and, for you and I. So that's, that's the beginning of the prayer. And we're going to focus now on, on John chapter 17, verses 6 through 10. Verse 6 says, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. Sounds like a tongue twister. We're going to come back to it slowly here, verse by verse. And, and let's, ask, let's take, a, take a moment to ask God to help us this morning, uh, that we might fully understand uh, the words that we're reading here. Father God, I, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for the truth of it, Lord. It, it, it is given to us by you. It isn't just a, a book that was written that we can find some wisdom from, Lord. But your word says it's God-breathed. Lord, it is from you. God, I pray, Lord, that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a spirit of understanding. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit might work in each one of us, Lord. Uh, I pray that I would be open and, and, and yielded to your Holy Spirit, that I might preach the words that you would have me to preach. Lord, may you limit what comes out of my mouth, that, it, that I would not say anything out of place. Lord, that I would not say anything that would uh, distract from the truth of your word. But Lord, help me to preach this morning your word. Declare the truths that, were, that are here. God, I pray that our hearts would be tender to, to the moving of the Spirit as uh, your Spirit speaks to us and as your word speaks to us. Lord, it is your word and your spirit that convicts. It is your word and your spirit that encourages and strengthens. And God, I pray that in each one of us, Lord, you would do the work that needs to be done. Lord, you know the hearts of those that are here, uh, those that are saved, and those that are lost. Lord, I, I can't see the heart. I can only see the outside. But God, I pray that you would, that you and your word, which can discern, Lord, Lord, may you do the work that needs to be done. Lord, if there's one here today that's not saved, Lord, may today be the day where they follow Christ. Lord, if there's, if there's others here today, Lord, that however you would speak to them, Father, you know their hearts, Lord, I pray that you, would, that you would speak to all of us, Lord, that in the end, we might be able to say, just like Jesus said of his disciples, that he is glorified in us. We thank you, Father, for all that you do. In Jesus' precious name, help us. Amen. Verse 6 starts out with this phrase, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. 
I have manifested. The word manifest it, it means, means this, to, to make known. The Greek word is phanero. It means to render apparent that which is unknown. So it's to show something that nobody else knows. Now, they, this, this, these, these men are Jewish men. They know the name Jehovah. They grew up reading the scriptures and being taught the, the Old Testament scriptures. Uh, uh, they've heard the name. But, God, but, but Jesus was, was making known or, 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 or revealing to them something about God that they didn't know yet. In fact, the word name here, it says that I have, I have made your name manifest. The word name is, the Greek word is onoma. And it, it's not only does it mean the word name, but it means everything that is brought about at the thought of a name. Memories, attributes, character. He says, I have made manifest, I have glorified you by making manifest the, the character traits and, 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 and the, the knowledge of and the intimacy of a relationship with God the Father. He says, this, this is what I have done. In fact, he says that in verse 4. He says, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. He says, I have glorified you. The reason Jesus came to this earth was to glorify the Father and to die on the cross. And his death on the cross glorified the Father. Why? Because it pointed everybody back to the cross. The only, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He had given these disciples everything that they needed to know that who Jesus Christ was. And he didn't just give it to the disciples. He gave the word to everybody. But it was the disciples that heard and understood and began to and, and placed their faith and trust in, 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 in Jesus and in the Father. They didn't just look at Jesus as a prophet. They didn't just look at him as somebody who, who could perform miracles, though many did. Hey, Jesus healed people. Can you imagine? We all go to a doctor when we get sick because we hope the doctor can fix us. They'll give us some medicine. We take the medicine because they say so. And the medicine might have some side effects. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe we just had a cold. But in the end, we hope we get better. But guess what? They call it practicing medicine for a reason. Because it's, 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 it's not perfect science. Uh, they might give you a certain medicine and it doesn't work with your body the way that, that it does with somebody else's body. And you, you can have this reaction or this, this, this allergic reaction that could even kill you. Uh, it's not a science. But listen, when we go to God, uh, God is the, the, the great physician. Uh, we, uh, he, he's not practicing anything. He's perfect. He's absolutely perfect. So when Jesus glorified God he's, he, he, in his life, in his teaching, uh, Jesus, Jesus healed those people, and he was healing them completely. The woman who had been to every doctor about the, this, stunt, this, this flow of blood, that uh, she was weak and she was tired and she was exhausted, and she spent all her money, that she had nothing left. She was considered unclean by the world and, and the community because, because of this, this problem that she had. And she was so she was so. Desperate, she, she pushed her way through the crowd of people that she wasn't supposed to be around, touching everybody on her way in, by the way, just so that she could bow down and touch the hem of his garment because she believed if she touched the hem of his garment, she might be healed. And the Bible says that immediately the blood was staunched. Amazing. Say, so, well, that's just a story in the Old Testament. Well, there's no proof of that. How can you prove that? By faith. But can I say this? Jesus didn't come to heal. He healed a lot of people. There were, there, there were lame people. We've, we've talked about this. Uh, this, is, uh, this is a recurrent theme. He healed people. But he healed people because he had compassion on them and he loved them. He came to die because that was the real answer they needed. His work wasn't to be a physician. His work wasn't to be a, a teacher. 
Many people followed him because of that. The Bible says when he fed the 5,000, they, they followed him because they were still hungry. <laughs> they, didn't want, they didn't want just food for a day. They wanted, they wanted him to keep giving them food. How many, how many people in this world are looking for, for a, a, a healing that, 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 that they can't find here on this earth? And they can't find any doctors. There's a, there's a hole that's needed. Can I tell you that Jesus Christ is the answer? But, and yes, he can take care of our problems. But sometimes taking care of the problem isn't taking the problem away. People look to religion for the wrong reason. And, and what happens is that they're, if they're looking to it for the wrong reason, when things get difficult or when they don't get what they want, guess what happens? They walk away. They walk away. In fact, it happened to Jesus in John chapter 6. All these people are following him. He's teaching, and, and he's, he preaches some very hard truths. So we're going to get to it here, get to those things here in a few minutes. Uh, but, but, uh, but it says that they turned and they, they, they walked away. Why? Because they wanted the easy answer, not the, the hard answer. And listen, if you're here today looking for the easy answer, we can say Jesus is the answer all day long. It's easy to say Jesus is the answer. And, and listen, he is the answer. But our faith and, and trust goes in Christ, and he and helps us to endure whatever it is. He may, uh, we don't know what he'll do. It's all according to his will and his glory. Because the Bible says in Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good, for good to them that are called according to his purpose. But that doesn't mean all things are hunky-dory and happy. Paul got his head chopped off. He was right in the middle of the will of God. Stephen was stoned to death. He was Paul, Paul shipwrecked and beaten and lashed and uh, uh, all in the middle of God's will. Jim Elliot died on the, uh, on, on the shores of a river uh, as he was trying to take the gospel to a, a group of people that didn't, that, 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 that were, they, they were, they were cannibals. They, they, they killed him. He was right where God wanted him to be. So life isn't always easy when, when we choose to follow Christ. But, but can I tell you, even though he's not the easy answer, he is the answer. Jesus said, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me. How do you do that? He did that through the power of the works that he did. We can go through it and, and read account of a, after account of, of, those that he, of those that he healed. And, uh, and, and, and they saw the power of God. Uh, listen, uh, I always wondered why Jesus changed water into wine. And the answer was right there in the scripture. I don't know how many times I read over it, and, and I thought, why? I, I can see why he would heal people. I can see why he would raise Lazarus from the dead. I get that. But why would he change water into wine? I, I don't understand that. It's a, it's a party. How, it's, he wanted to make the party better? No. In fact, he didn't want to do it. His, his mother, his mother said, said, hey, do what he says. And he says, woman, it's not time. But it says at the, at the, in the last verse of that, he says he did it so that not that the people, but so that his disciples would believe. What was he doing? He was manifesting the glory of the Father. He was doing it so that they would see the power of God in him. Do you remember when, when uh, uh, he stood up and told the winds and the waves to come down? What sort of man is this? Remember when he told Peter to cast down the net after he'd been fishing all night? Peter pulls, tries to pull up the net, and the net starts breaking, and they call in for help, and both boats are sinking as, as Peter and his brother and James and John are, are all trying to bring in these fish, and Peter falls to his knees. Start the Christ. Why? Because they saw 
the power of God. But not only did they see the power of God, but they heard the words of God. Turn with me over to John chapter 6. This is a, a longer passage. I say forgive me, but we're reading the word of God, so there's nothing to ask for forgiveness for. We'll start reading verse 44. I get to John chapter 6. There we go. It says, nothing, verse 44 says, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me, draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets that they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that had heard and had learned of the Father cometh unto me. Not that any man hath seen the Father, save he which is of God. He hath seen the Father. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the, the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. And the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father. So he, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your father did eat manna and are dead. He... He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many, therefore, of his disciples, people that were following him, not just the people that were hearing, but people that were following him, many, therefore, of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is an hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said to them, Doth this offend you? What if uh, ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, Therefore I unto, unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my Father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He they saw the power of God in Jesus Christ. They heard the words of God. They heard him say, you have seen me, you have seen the Father. They, and they saw God in him. He manifested the glory of God. He manifested the attributes of God and the Father. He manifested the nature of God. Even though he had set his, uh, his side, his glory, he was still God in the flesh. And he glorified God through his life and his ministry here on this earth. 
the disciples, the disciples, many followed him, but they didn't believe. But the twelve, they believed. The ones who didn't, the ones who were there for the for for for, for all the wrong reasons, they walked away and says they never followed him again. Now, these 12 were the only ones to follow him. I want you to understand that. In fact, in Acts chapter 1, we find that there was 120 uh, that, that came to meet. And, and some of them were there from the very beginning. Uh, a man takes the place, is, 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 in Acts chapter 1, is, 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 is made to take the place of Judas, uh, who betrayed Jesus Christ. Uh, and he was one who had followed him from the very beginning to, to now. But I want you to understand, these 12 that were chosen, Jesus had prepared them. He had, he had taught them, and he had glorified and manifested the, the, the name of the Father, the character of the Father before him. There in verse 6 of John chapter 17. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Now we see here, it says, I, thou gavest me. I'm going to talk about this for a minute because there is a false doctrine out here that we need to make sure that we don't misunderstand. It's one that's growing today in churches. A lot of Reformed churches, a lot of Reformed Baptist churches will teach this doctrine. It's not a new doctrine. It's an old doctrine. It's called Calvinism or hyper-Calvinism. The idea of hyper-Calvinism is the part that I will prove to you this morning that is wrong is this. They believe God is... And we're going to use the word sovereign, and I and I and I agree. God is sovereign, and what what sovereign means is God is in control of everything. Uh, he has his hand in, in in all things. God knows. Uh, God is, picks and chooses and does things and moves in ways that we don't even understand. But in their doctrine of uh, in this doctrine of Calvinism, what they teach is that. How many of you heard the word? Uh, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. It's in the Bible. They'll take that and say, well, God picks and chooses who, he's going, who, who gets saved. So let's, let's actually look at a few, few of these verses. Look over at John chapter 15. We, we see here in John chapter 17, he, he had said, he said that the, those that thou gavest me, they were mine, and later on he says they were mine, and now they're thine, and thine and mine, and it's kind of confusing there, but I want to make sure we understand this doctrine completely. John chapter 15, we're going to look at verses 16 and 19. Verse 16 says, Ye have not chosen me, he's talking to the disciples, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit. Uh, the, the word ordained means uh, you have been pre-planned to go and bring forth fruit. He says, I have chosen you. Uh, and John 6.44 says, uh, unless the Father draws us, we can't come unto him. Uh, uh, looking at those verses, and we're going to look at another, another couple of verses. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. So we see God chooses us. We see God ordains us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 is a verse that we talk about quite a bit. It starts in verse 8. For by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But if you continue on reading, in verse 10 it says, For we are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Before ordained, meaning uh, he, he chose or he planned that we would walk uh, it, because we are his, his workmanship. He has chosen us. He has ordained as children of God because that's who this is written to. 
that we would walk in his way, in his good works. But if we stop there, it looks like God has chosen us. And, and he has. Don't misunderstand. We need all the scripture to understand the scripture. But this is what it's saying. Go down to Ephesians chapter 1. And here's a word that, that, they, that you'll hear quite a bit. Um, many, many Baptist preachers will shy away from this word because it, it's, it, if we can't defend it, it's a scary doctrine. But Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, it says, Having predestined, predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. This predestinate means he, for, he, he, he chose us ahead of time to, to be in the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Notice that it's the good pleasure of his will. It's, a, it's not according to, and, and what they'll say is, it's not according to your will or your choice. It's the good pleasure of his will. But can I tell you this? God is good. Can we all agree on that? The Bible is very clear on that. God is good. Is God good to all people? Yes, he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for the sins of the whole world, and he would have the whole world come unto him. The Bible is very clear about that. But, I, but this doctrine here will say, they chose this one and this one, and this one he chose for destruction. Look with me, not just at verse 5, look at verse 11. Verse 11 says, in whom, we, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his will. So again, as we look at this, uh, so far it looks like God is saying, the, the Bible is saying that God has chosen those who are going to be saved and chosen those who wouldn't be saved. And it's all according to his will because he's sovereign. And if you stop here, that's what it looks like. But you can't stop here because it's not the only time God talks about this. Look over to, we already read, I already quoted the verse once, but Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, we're going to look at verse 28 and then 29. Romans 8 is that verse that every Christian loves to hear. But if we really understand it, it doesn't mean everything's going to be greater life. Let's go ahead and read it again. It says, Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. If you are a child of God, you love, if you love God, you are pleased when God's purpose is, is, is done. Sometimes things have to go, things are difficult in our lives for God's purpose to be done. So that doesn't sound good. It's good for the whole world understand God's goodness is for everybody Johnny, Johnny, Johnny or Joni Erickson Tata uh, I, can never, I don't know how to pronounce her first name paralyzed as a teenager we're the first to tell you that God is good because now as, as a woman who's been in a wheelchair and in ministry for years Still paralyzed from the neck down, she's ministered to more people than she ever could have as a, as a young person. Ministered to people in a way that she never could have. Why? Because God is good, and he used her in her situation. There, there are different situations. Paul was, Paul was uh, uh, shipwrecked, uh, uh, shipwrecked and, uh, on, his way to, on his way to Rome, and guess what? Uh, it wasn't necessarily good for Paul. They had to suffer shipwreck, and nobody died. But guess what did happen? An entire island of Malta was turned to Christ. God is good. 
Jonah was, was called to go to Nineveh, and, and, and he didn't want to because they were a wicked and evil people. He, he knew that God was merciful, and if they, if they humbled themselves, that God would show them mercy. So he ran from God, and, and there was a great storm, and there were men on that same boat that were caught up in that storm with Jonah, and it was a terrifying storm. But can, can I tell you what? When it was all said and done, and Jonah was tossed in the water, they glorified God. They were not Jew, Jews, they were Gentiles. They, glorified, they were worshiping their own gods. It was Jonah who told them of uh, uh, how he had run from God. They glorified Jehovah God because of, they turned to God because of Jonah. Why? God is good. Now look at verse 29. And this word is very important. For whom he did foreknow. For whom he did foreknow, he did also he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of a son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. That word foreknow was the key to this whole doctrine of predestination. Yes. God's word says he chose us. We did not choose him. But he foreknow. God in his omniscience, his 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 mind uh, of knowing everything. You, you all saw that picture? You all thought I had no hair on my head. God knows the exact numbers of hair on my head. God knows everything about you or I, knows every thought that's in our mind. In fact, he knew it before the world was ever begun. That's why the Bible he knew what was going to happen. Uh, he knew that Adam and Eve were going to sin, uh, that they would turn from him before the world began. Why? Because it says, how do I know that? The Bible says the lamb was slain before the foundations of the earth. It was all planned beforehand. Why? Because God knew when given free will, there would be men who would turn their back on God. So those that God foreknew, that knew that they would trust in faith, knew that they would believe the words of God, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Yes, God chose us, but God chose us because he knew us. Yes, God draws us because God knows if he draws us, we'll come. Because God is sovereign, and God is all-knowing, and God is all-powerful. Don't get caught up in that false doctrine, because that false doctrine will teach you that you, that you, you know what it teaches us? That we don't have a choice. That you'll be a child of God, whether you like it or not. That's what that doctrine comes down to. That you cannot resist the grace of God. God chose those disciples. God gave those disciples to Jesus. In, Romans, in, in John chapter 17, verse 6, I have manifested, I have made thy name unto the men, or I have made it known. I have manifested thy name, thy glory, unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me. And they have kept thy word. And this is important. They have kept thy word. He, he given them the word. We read, it, we read some of it in John chapter 6. We won't go back and read, read much anymore. Uh, he gave them the truth. And they kept the truth. That word means, uh, that the word kept means that they guarded it. They kept it. They, 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 they gave their attention to it. And it had an effect on their lives. Let's read a little more. It says, Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me. And and they have received them and have known surely that I came out from thee and they did and they have believed that thou didst send me the word of god uh, affected the heart of those men and, and they they understood the truth of the word they believed it what is belief it's faith 
Abraham believed God and it was appointed unto him for righteousness. Without faith, uh, you, without faith, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, that you cannot please God, for we must believe that he is and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. These men sought after God. These men, when they saw the hard things, said, you know what? I'm going to continue to diligently seek him. And they had faith and they trusted the word of God. And the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And there, there's something that changed in them, uh, a, a life uh, that was given to them, a spiritual life that the others didn't have. Jesus, Jesus goes on to say here, it says, it says, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me. And they are lying. Listen, listen, Jesus loved the world. He came to die for the sins of the whole world. It wasn't just uh, for those that he chose. It wasn't just for those that were predestined. He died for the sins of all the, the, the whole world so that all men could be saved. That is his desire. But, but in his foreknowledge, he knows who will and who won't. So, 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 he, so the Bible says he, he gave those disciples to, to Jesus and, and, and it goes on to say in verse 11 and 12 that, that Judas is the one that he lost. Not because God, or God chose him, but because he knew that who he was. He knew that he would never by faith believe. He, you know what's scary? And this, is, this should be scary not just about the disciples. This should be scary for us. Because Judas sat there and he saw all the power of God in the miracles. He walked with God the same place where Peter walked with God. He saw all the same glory. He, saw all, he heard all the same truth. Uh, he, saw, he saw all of it. And none of the other disciples knew that he was going to betray Jesus. When Jesus said, one of you will betray me, guess what they said? Is it me, Lord? Is it me? Who, who's, who's going to be the Lord? Is, is it me? Am I the one, Lord? They didn't know. Now, John later knew, because obviously, well, Judas betrayed Jesus, and, and, he, and he, records that Judas was a, he records that Judas was a thief. That, 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 uh, uh, he complained when, when uh, uh, the, the, the box of, of a spike note was broken and, and uh, anointed the, the feet of Jesus as he complained and said it should be sold and given to the poor. But he said it not because he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he held the, he held the bag. He just wanted to take his cut. You know what that tells me? Nothing changed in here. See, we, we can come to church, and there are a lot of people across our nation and across the world that say, I am a Christian. I walk like a Christian. I talk like a Christian. I dress like a Christian. Uh, I got my suit and tie on, and I'm, I'm good, and I'm here. And, and uh, listen, I'm, I'm good. I, I, don't, I don't beat my wife, and I, don't, I, don't, I pay my taxes, and I do all the things that I'm supposed to do. But they, they look like it from the outside, and everybody thinks they're fine. But it comes right down to it. They don't believe. See, Jesus said, they're in the world. I pray for them, verse 9. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are mine. Because I'm praying for these specifically. There's, there's something different about these men. They're the men that you gave me. They're the men that, uh, that, that you chose because you foreknew. Uh, they were the men who, uh, they were the men who would believe. And I pray for them. Can I tell you Christ now makes intercession for us? One of my favorite passages of scripture is when he, he confronts Peter. And it's just before this period of time when, when uh, he tells Peter, he says, Satan hath desired to sift you like wheat. Talking about what was just about ready to happen. Because Peter was going to deny Jesus three times. He says, Satan hath desired to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. And when you are... Not if, 
But when you come through this, how did Peter get through it? Because Jesus prayed for him. We have Christians, if you're a child of God in here, you have Jesus Christ, your high priest, who sits not who sits there not just waiting for his day to come back, but he sits beside the Father, ever living to make intercession for you. The Bible says that he will secure, that he will run to your aid. He, he, his desire is to pray for your strength, to pray for your endurance. And we're going to get into this afternoon uh, what, what all he prayed for for, the, for, for, the, for, his, for his believers. But I want you to understand, he prays for you. And without him praying for you, my goodness, where would we be? Uh, uh, but understand that you have a one who can get a hold of Jesus. I, I, I hope you all pray for me as a pastor. I, I appreciate your prayers. That is the number one thing that you can do for me uh, as your pastor. Uh, uh, but listen, uh, if no, none of you prayed for me, I could rest in the fact that Jesus Christ is praying for me as his, as his disciple, as his follower. I praise God and I thank God for that. As a child of God, you can rest in that, that Jesus prays for you. But I want to finish this morning with this, this last thought in verse 10. It says, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine. Why? Because they're united. And, and I am glorified in them. The Father was glorified in Jesus because he manifested the character traits, the attributes of God the Father. God gave the Father these 12 men. He's praying for them, and we'll, we'll talk about that later. But he says, I am glorified in them. How? Now, these men aren't perfect yet. In fact, they're all about to run away. The, the, but remember what that verse we read there, there back in Ephesians and Romans? We have been, and, and in we have been ordained to be conformed to the image of his dear son. And when the world sees the attributes of Jesus Christ in us, when they see the compassion, when they see the love, when they see the spirit of God working in us, when they see the fruitfulness, the fruits that we have been ordained to, to bring forth in John chapter 15, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, and they see those things in their lives, what do they see? They don't say, you're such a nice guy. They might say that. Well, what are we doing when we bring forth those fruits? We're glorifying our, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 5 says that we're to, to do good works and the world will see our good works and they'll glorify our Father, which is up in heaven. If you are saved here this morning, here's, this, is, this is what I'm going to leave you. It's, it's, not a, it's not a huge thought, not, not, not very complicated, but I want you to understand this. If you are saved here this morning, your job on this earth is to glorify the Father, is to glorify Jesus Christ. Do you do it? Do you do it in the things that you do? Listen, you don't, you don't have the, the power to perform miracles. But the Bible did say, Jesus said, they'll do greater works than I will. 
You've got the, the, you've got the power of gospel on your side. You've got the compassion of Christ should be in you. Not just to love one another, but to love the world. Do we glorify our Father? Or are we, and this is the scary part, well, Jesus goes on to say later, we're to be in the world, I'm paraphrasing, we're to be in the world but not of the world. Are we more like the world than we are like Christ? Because the world glorifies their Father. And I'm, not, I'm not talking about uh, the people of the world. We're talking about the, 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 all that is against God, that rebels against God. But as people that are lost, guess what? They're rebelling against God. And if we are living and acting like them more than we are, like God, who, would, who is it that we're manifesting, making known? So I, I want to see fruit in my life. I, I want to see souls saved. John 15 tells us how to do that. Abide in the word and let the word abide in you. It'll change you. Are you glorifying God this morning? Maybe you're here this morning and you're not saved. You, you come to church all your life, you've... Uh, it isn't about how you dress. Though it isn't about how you talk. It isn't about all, any of those things. Though I will say this, faith without works is dead. And as, God, as, as you get saved, God will change you from the inside out. If you're, if you're truly saved, there will be a spiritual growth in you. You will not stay the same. Our neighbor gave us a, a habanero plant this, year, this last year for our garden. It did not do well. You know what it did not give us? Any habaneros. <laughs> it grew, I mean, the plant was there. It stayed green. The plants around it gave us stuff. But that plant stayed this tall. I don't know what we didn't have for it that it needed, but it did not grow. It was a habanero plant that, that, was, that was fruitless. Now, maybe it was my fault because I didn't fertilize it with the fertilization it needed or I didn't give it enough water. I don't know. I'm not much of a gardener anyways. What can I tell you? The, the master of the vineyard? Well, says Jesus is the vine. We're the branch. He knows what we need. In fact, he's told us what we need. And if you're not bearing the fruit you're supposed to, if you're not glorifying Christ the way that you should, and the truth is, all of us can grow in this area. This act of sanctification, this work of sanctification, starts from the moment you get saved and goes on until the time you die and to where it's finished in glory when you're given your glorified body. It's a, it's a, transform, a transformative process where he transforms us day by day. But the more we're in the word, the faster we transform. The more change there is and the more we glorify him. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. I pray that you would speak to us. Lord, you know what we need. You know where we're, where we're weak in our lives. Lord, and the truth is, if we'll all be honest, we will all acknowledge it, that there is weakness. And God, I thank you for your mercy and your grace. Lord, that your mercy, because in our weakness, Lord, uh, you can be made strong. Lord, through your word and your spirit, you can change us. Lord, if we humble ourselves and seek your face, Lord, if we seek forgiveness, God, you'll hear us. Your word promises us that. And Lord, we can grow. God, I pray that you will revive in us uh, that work, Lord, uh, that your people might rejoice, Lord, that, that we might grow, that we might be uh, growing into what you called us to be. 
Lord, help us to be in your word. Help us study it. Help us to, 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 to live it, Lord, that we might share with others the, the truth of the gospel. Lord, if there's one here today that's not saved, I pray that your spirit would draw them to you. Lord, I pray that they would uh, hear the words of the, of the gospel, that their eyes and hearts would be opened, and, uh, Lord, that they would believe. Lord, that they would trust in Christ as their Savior. Thank you, Father, for all you've done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.